Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. It's been a little while, but uh, we're back and here to wrap up the season that has been Hull City 2018-2019. So, uh, welcome, Dan. Uh, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. It's uh, It's been a little while, so I think we'll start the episode with sort of a, uh, a rundown of our results since the last episode. And our last episode, we were looking ahead to two pretty do-or-die clashes against Forest and Norwich, which... Um, would define our season and, and it was the case that um, unfortunately two pretty significant losses to them um, coupled with a, a fair few disappointing draws and uh, drop points elsewhere in the remaining fixtures uh, would be our undoing. Um, we, we did have three wins in a row against Ipswich, Reading and Wigan. Um, the latter two, Reading and Wigan, were really great to see because we had come, behind, come from behind wins against them um, and then almost snatched a victory against West Brom with two cracking goals from Todd Kane. Um, but really the season sort of petered out into a nothingness um, with that loss against Sheffield United at home, which I was uh, fortunate enough to be at. It was good to be back in Hull for that one, even if it was a loss. Um, and then a pretty controversial draw against Bristol City on the final day of the season where really we should have won the game, um, but a little bit of iffy umpiring or refereeing, I should say. I've got my... Aussie rules hat on there. Um, I, a few bits of dodgy refereeing really cost us in that one. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag to finish the season, and I think our race was run pretty early on in terms of the playoffs, but uh, a few mixed results to, to finish the season with. So what were your thoughts on how the season ended? Um, I, I think the way that the season ended really kind of just typified the way the whole season played out. Um, just inconsistent as a as a whole um so i think yeah. like to get those three wins in a row um was was good but i think we were talking about like we needed to take you know at least some points against forest and norwich we didn't take any and then you know that the, that gap starts to widen we did they worked i mean they did well to stay within touching distance of that last playoff spot for as long as they did when you consider um what has what has been um the season that it um that has just finished but um yeah i think like overall it's sort of like you know the to the fact that we were sort of looking back and and maybe feeling a, a little bit disappointed and that i think i'm not even sure what the gap ended up i think we ended up a fair way off you know, on, 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 at the end of the final day, but that we were sort of talking about that that was a distinct possibility was, um, that was just a, a bonus for the season, I think, because I don't remember what our predictions were in episode one for this year, but yeah, I should have listened back to that before tonight, actually. But, um, I dare say that probably not, probably none of us were really talking about being a genuine playoff chance. So, um, yeah. I think most of us sort of said like if we f I, th I think if I think we said like we'd be happy with mid table, but we were probably thinking I think most of us were sort of thinking like we're going to be like lower mid, um, 
in a, like finishing, I guess, similar to, to last season where we escaped, escaped relegation and um, we did okay, but still not anything miraculous. I think as a whole, I think we exceeded um, expectations for not only for us, but probably for most fans and even like non-fans, other, other teams, um, you know, fan groups and stuff just around that, you know, people, you talk to people and they're, and they say, you know, like with how, you know, things are going at your club, like to have done as well as you did and to get as high as you managed, like at points in the season, like was was un- was unreal. Yeah, definitely. And just looking at the table, so we, we ended up 12 points um, behind Derby in sixth, um, as well as a hefty goal difference, I guess, in the end. But looking at the table and that comment about where, where you sort of expected us to finish, and I see Reading in 20th on 47 points. And I remember when they signed um, Myler in the off-season and, and I sort of had a thought that he was going to a club where they would finish above us in the table. I was quite confident that they were going to finish above us in the table. And it's interesting to see, therefore, where our, um, where our ambitions lay before the season began or where our expectations lay before the season began, that around about 45 to 50 points was probably about where I expected us to get to. And... Um, some seasons that sees you, you know, drop down a division, some, te- some seasons it doesn't. And I think Bolton and Ipswich was so poor this season that that sort of, um, that sort of meant that a side like Reading did end up being safe on 47 points, but uh, very easily could have been us this season. And, and without trying to name drop, um, when I, I actually got to meet Jackson Irvine um, before that Sheffield United game, and he, he also expressed that sort of... Um, disappointment that the season if we had started playing as well as we did for the majority of the season at the start of the season we really could have been in the playoffs quite comfortably and the fact that it was just those first couple of months up till about October that we um, that we were dropping a lot of points losing a lot of games and and I was looking at the run of fixtures before uh, we came on tonight and it is quite remarkable when you look at the amount of losses and draws that we were picking up through the first few months of the season um, to end up where we did was was quite remarkable, and to be even in the conversation of making the playoffs was quite remarkable. Um, and and yeah, so sort of just just going back on, on on the way the season finished, I think you're right that it was very you know symbolic of our season as a whole that it was very patchy, very up and down, um, with you know a couple of brilliant winning runs, but also a fair bit of disappointment with points dropped. That that two nil lead against Rotherham, for instance, dropping it back to a two two draw. Uh, sort of just, you know, underlines how many results there are this season. We'll talk a bit later on, on our most disappointing results for the season, but a lot of them will be 2-2 draws where we were 2-0 up and then drop points. There was the Villa game in January as well where a very, very similar scoreline played out. Um, so it was, it, was, it, was, it was a mixed end to the season, and, and I think it was basically um, as good as we could have made of it. Um, we should have beaten Bristol City to close off the season with a win, which would have been great, but we didn't. Uh, 2-2 draw against Swansea, where it was actually us coming back to get the result, um, was great to see that there was still fight in the team. Um, and, and yeah, we just sort of have to hope that that can give us a bit of momentum going into next season. If we can, uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk a bit later about the squad, but I think this season more than the last few, I think the core of the squad we should be able to keep together. It's about building. The, um, the the sort of the striking and the attacking power that we'll need for next season. But um, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, as you said, so we, we, you know, after 46 games to finish on 17 wins, 11 draws, 18 losses, 
66 goals scored, 68 conceded. Not too bad, finishing 13th. Um, it, it's about as as it's about as good as we could have expected preseason, I think. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, we could probably talk ad nauseum about the the ups and downs and comings and goings of the season that was. But um, yeah, I think uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty satisfied. Um, I mean, and you know, when you also consider like, so we brought in some guys, so like. Tommy Elphick came in and he had a huge impact. Chris Martin, not so much, you know. And there was a, and there was a few like Mark Pugh, like Pugh came in and he had a good impact, um, and then got injured and went and went back to Bournemouth. But you know, so there was a bit of even like with the guys that we brought in like on on loan or or acquired for the season, it like just hit and miss again, and it sort of just was I guess another like dot point to help underline like how inconsistent the season was and i think that's like that was the th- like that's just the difference between where we finished and the the teams that are in the playoffs it's it was consistency um you know i don't know what else that's don't well, know just, what else is to say about <laughs> yeah well i mean just on that in terms of recruitment and, and you mentioned a couple there um i think what we've done better this season than last potentially is I think that the quality of the player that we've brought in has been um, quite strong in, in general. I think in terms of the permanent purchases that we made, you look at Reese Burke and Geordie Device, for instance, who, you know, pre-season, I think we were, you know, scared that we only had, I think um, McDonald was our only fit centre-back, I think, because we lost Dawson. Um to bring in two centre-backs to a club, both incredibly young, who towards the end of the season or from about the middle of the season, I would just look at a team sheet and if we'd named the pair of them at centre-back, I just was I just knew we'd win the game because they just gave us so much defensive comfort and, and solidity that really let us sort of spring forward and, and attack quite well. And um, it's remarkable that the pair have really settled in as well as they have. And I think another name that you mentioned there, Elphick, really helped that by... Um, signing him on loan from Villa, I think he really gave us a bit of experience and, and guidance down back, which really let uh, Device adapt to the English game a bit better because I know he had a very typical sort of shaky start to his City career, but by the end of it, he was one of our better players. Um, I think another one that came in that has done quite well, um, I mean, Lee Hyatt right back has, has been quite solid for us as well. Um, and then... I guess, yeah, Pew, Pew and Lone, Kane, Kane has been good as well. Um, so there's been a few that have come in and, and really done a job for us. So I, I would like to think that going into next season, I, I think it's pretty much a formality that we're going to lose Bowen at the very least. Um, it's all about reinvesting that money wisely. And I feel a little bit more confident that we can do that this off-season than I might have going into last off-season. Yeah, um, it's... I mean, it's going to be an interesting time over the next um, few months. But uh, yeah, I think overall um, we did we did quite um, quite well. And I think you're right saying that um, the guys that we brought in a lot, like or we brought in in this this last couple of um, transfer windows, the quality has been an improvement on some of the um, players we brought in previously. I'm like you're looking at some of the guys. 
Um, I've I've forgot. I haven't even forgotten his name. Um, the the young the young kid that came from Stewart? United. Um, uh, from United. Yeah, the really the and he like and oh, he's basically um, he's been. We James Weir. Yeah, that's who I'm like. A couple of guys like guys like that who used like there was we've had him and there's been like others. It's not just him, but who we've looked, they've signed, and we've just looked at and gone like why? Like what do they offer? Um, but I think overall, the guys that came in this year, um, this season have have all been a quality um, that you could say okay they they could bring something. Um, you know, I mentioned there was a, a couple that haven't maybe didn't necessarily show what they were capable of, but I think, I guess, like, you, you're right. Like, on the whole, I think we, we recruited pretty well this year in that, um, and especially in those key points, like, those key moments, um, like, in that January window and that, like, to bring in, actually be able to get someone, like, Pew was, I think, was, like, he count has got to be one of the best signings, in just in the sense that, like, he came from Premier League club, we were able to get him on loan at a time, and then he went and had an impact, like... It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't always happen as smoothly as that. Absolutely. Um, so moving on from the players, then um, we'll discuss now sort of what your favourite win or the most satisfying win of the season was. And there's a couple that spring to mind for me, and and yours might be one of these. Um, I think the the win against Leeds in January, when Leeds were doing quite well, and we were sort of in the middle of our winning streak as well. It was sort of um, an interesting clash to see who'd come out on top, and, and we quite comfortably put them away 2-0, courtesy of two Bowen goals. Um, the West Brom win back in November, I, I remember being quite a satisfying one as well, because it was, it was quite unexpected. I think at the time we were sort of just starting to get going. And West Brom, of course, being you know in contention for an automatic spot even, um, we, we knocked them off courtesy of a Campbell goal. And then the, uh, the Bolton game in January, which whilst Bolton travelling quite poorly... It was just great to get one of those sorts of demolition wins and really sort of at full flight take them apart. Um, with Grzycki getting two goals, Evandro, Martin, Bowen and Dicko all on the score sheet as well. So Martin and Dicko getting on the score sheet was particularly satisfying given their, um, their essentially droughts in front of goal, I guess. But those were sort of the ones that I picked out. Were there any others that came to mind for you or, or was yours one of those ones? Um, yeah, I... I'm... Probably, I'm leaning in the same vein um, as you. I think uh, for me, probably the Leeds game is the most impressive, um, and just with the context that surrounded that game, I think we like we went into that game as the only two teams. This is may not be completely accurate, but the only two teams that had like that perfect form heading in. I think we we're yeah. both you know five wins, wins from the last five or whatever yeah, you know. Yeah. Like I think in the, at the time in the division, the only two teams that were had sort of that reign of form going. So um, it was, uh, you know, I think Leeds, might, they might have even they might have even been on top at that time because they were for a uh, large portion of the season, I believe. So um, I, I thought that was um, probably, that was my, I guess, like favourite win. Um, but I guess like the, the game against West Brom, that 1-0 was, um, was equally... Um, impressive. That might have actually been our best win. It was, I think, how whatever, however it happened with Leeds. I think we kind of looked pretty comfortable in that game, but West Brom, I remember it being a lot more challenging. Um, yeah. And it was, and it, I guess it was much more satisfying to to sneak away with a one nil um, at, at that point. But I don't know. They're all there's there's been there's been some some really good um, yep. results yep. this season. 
The other one that comes to mind as well was the the win against Sheffield Wednesday, where it was in a similar vein to the Bolton and Leeds games, where it was we're just flying in January and. Um, I think it was just before Bruce took over, so they weren't necessarily going that well themselves. But I can't remember if it was nil-nil at halftime or one-nil to us potentially, where it was one of those ones where they sort of challenged us and, it, and, and we very easily could have had one of those typical City results where we were expected to go out and beat them, but we end, end up folding and, and losing um, rather disappointingly. But we actually managed to, to pull off quite a comfortable win in the end against them and it was those sorts of games where you kind it kind of reminded you of that 2015-2016 season where um, under Bruce we would just sort of swagger through the championship season and knock off everyone that came to the KCOM. And um, it was good to get that sort of win and, and nice to have that sort of mentality back, even if it was pretty brief. But yeah, there, there were quite a few satisfying wins this season. Um, on the other hand, there was obviously more disappointing results, and, and a few of those come to mind as well. Um, I, I haven't so much looked at the, the huge losses. There was the 5-1 to Brentford, which was the main uh, thumping that came to mind in terms of just seeing the players sort of drop their heads a little bit and, and worrying that you know they were just going to let the season run away from them. Um, but the, the more disappointing results to me were, and we sort of touched on them already, is... There was a couple of games where we had a 2-0 lead that we let them slip. I think the Rotherham game, because it basically confirmed we weren't going to make the playoffs, but also the Villa game, because that Villa game, I suspect, was essentially the turning point in our season. And was it Device that went off injured in that game? I think one of our centre-backs or somebody went off injured, and I'm, I'm completely blanking on who it was. I think it was Device. And... We were up 2-0, and, and I think it was Device went off a half Yeah, that was... I think he went off, and that was possibly... That might have even been... Was that the first... Was that when... Was it McKenzie came on and... and been, yeah. And got... And they got an own goal? Yeah, and they conceded two goals. That's right, yeah. Um, um, let's have a look. Um, and, and, yeah, and so that was sort of the, the moment where I think if we won that game, we were either going to be in sixth or very, very close to sixth place, and... It was from that point that we then dropped the two points and then it just sort of halted our momentum. And we, Because I think before then we'd been on a great winning run uh, and dropping those points just really sort of put a dampener on, on things. So those, those are the three most disappointing results that I could think of. And, and I'd probably say that the Villa result was the most disappointing, which I think, considering we lost to them on the opening day of the season and, and where I thought the season would go, I think if I'd said pre-season that the most disappointing result would be a 2-2 draw away to Villa... Um, I, I would happily have taken that, but yeah, I think that was mine. What about yours? Um, yeah, I think probably for me, as disappointing as the the um that Villa comeback was to me, it's probably more. Um, it was probably more like the the Rotherham that you yeah. let a team like a team that we like, especially having a two 0 lead, not a team that you should that you should be allowing back into the like game. Like I've thought overall our quality was, you know, we had a lot more to offer than they did. And, you know, we just really, um, there, there was points that we should, they should have been in the bank. Like, um, and that's, I think that was what was most disappointing about, about that game was that was like Villa, um, you know, they've they made the playoffs there, so they you know they they're a good team, um, and 
I guess you, you consider some of the circumstances because um, I, I did look it up. So Device went off injured just before halftime. McKenzie came on, and then I think like the very next play, yeah, um, James Chester scored. Yeah, that's of course, right. It's, a, it's always a former yeah. City player. And it was it was that mentality of if we can get in at halftime two 0 up, I thought we would see it out. But it was yeah, the fact that we conceded so yeah. so, so soon after um, had a had a big impact on the players. But uh, yeah, you're right. And look. At the end of the day, I think the season on the whole, we've said it a couple of times, it's got to be viewed hugely positively. And I think we did a whole lot better than we thought we were going to during the preseason. So, you know, in that sense, was any result particularly disappointing? I don't know. I think the positives that way, the negatives certainly um, in general for the season. Um, I, I think I know the answer to this one. It seems to be quite an obvious question. He cleaned up on awards night, but... Who was your player of the season? And I suspect we're both going to say Jared Bowen. Um, so I might say, who was your player of the season? And also, who was your uh, maybe most valuable, uh, maybe not most valuable, most improved player? Maybe if we strip Bowen out of the equation for that one. Um, so you've got a couple of players listed here. Um, the one that I would probably think of after Bowen is not on your list. Okay. Um, after Marshall? Bowen, yes, that's that's <laughs> who I would go. That was that's who I would go to um, after Bowen as, I guess, like you took like influential. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was in a like it was. I guess you would say vintage Marshall. I suppose you know we haven't we hadn't seen a lot of it in his time. We said that multiple times for the season, like. Um, when we've spoken about him, like he's, I thought, but I thought on the whole for the season, he was unreal. Um, so, you know, and, and it wouldn't, have, I don't think it would have taken much of a dip in form to have, you know, for George Long to have got in there. Um, yeah, and we were so, calling for it quite early in the season, yeah. I remember. So I think, um, you know, he, he maintained his form pretty well um, throughout the throughout the whole season which is not easy not easy to do um you know in in the championship so i think um for me like Bo- bowen does he just he blew me away again like i was he's like just he from last season like to this season like just stepped it up again and um so he obviously like and you know their awards nights you know we picked up you know the players player the fans players award the you know every Players, player of the season award there was. So, um, he's sort of undoubtedly number one, but I think an honourable mention should go to David Marshall for his contributions this season. Yeah, definitely. And he was one that I had in mind when I was putting that list together and I sort of was a bit more biased towards the attacking players. But it, it is remarkable when you think that this is essentially his only season as our keeper. I mean, he was, he was our keeper for half a season in the Premier League. And then Jakubovic came back in, and then last season um, it was uh, it was McGregor last season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was McGregor, McGregor was injured during the Premier League. That's right. I, I, start, I forget sometimes you know, that McGregor was around last season. It, it's remarkable how um, you know just one season removed, players can feel like they haven't been around for for quite a while. Um, yeah, and oh, it would be to... it wouldn't be hard to want to disassociate yourself from McGregor well, at the minute. His antics, <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny that Marshall looks like he's uh, potentially going up to Celtic, so it'll be funny in a um, an odd firm derby to have Marshall in one goal, McGregor in the other, and and sort of have these ex Hull City keepers facing off against each other. But um, 
no, Marshall's had a, a great season, and after the, even the first few games of it was a bit shaky from him, and, and we were sort of concerned and, and calling for Long to get a go in goal. Um, and he turned it around spectacularly. So, I, no, I definitely agree that he's, um, you know, probably our most improved or, or um, you know, defied expectations the most, I guess you would say, um, and really put in a great season. Um, so I guess now we can sort of look ahead a little bit to, to next season and we'll, we'll take a, well, we've just had a very extended podcast break, but we'll take another break um, over the next couple, month or so um, until preseason really ramps up. Um, and, and transfer window gets underway and, you know, Ehab realises that we've got a couple of weeks left to sign players and, and starts to do something. But um, I thought we'd sort of look ahead a little bit because the reality is a lot of players are leaving. Um, I sort of said at the start, I think I feel more confident this off-season than I have the last couple because I think looking at the core of players we have, I think Long has, has impressed or at least um, done his job the last couple of games of the season so that I, I don't feel too disheartened having him as our number one next season. I think Device and Burke down back are going to be an absolutely solid partnership. I think McKenzie is back up if he can get fit. Oh, sorry, McDonald, if he can get fit, will be great. McKenzie as well will be, you know, another year of development um, under him will be quite useful as well. I think if we could get another centre-back, though, that would be good just to have a bit of extra depth. Maybe if we could get Elphick, if um, Villa go up, I don't know. Um, in the fullbacks, Kingsley and, and Lehigh have, have proved themselves pretty reliable at different stages of the season. Um, I think getting somebody else in to be a bit more flexible would be useful. I think Kane, whilst at the start of the season, I might have thought it'd be good to get him on a permanent. I'm not as convinced at the other end of the season. I think defensively, he was a little bit lacking at times. Um, so, so a few depth players in defence potentially, but other than that, I think the main focus is obviously the the holes that are going to be left by Campbell, Grzycki and Bowen, who all look likely to depart. And, and it's pretty bleak when you look at who our top goal scorers were um, when you take out players expected to leave. And really it was just Irvine on six, Dicko on two, and then Device on one, um, which is pretty scary when you think we only had three goal scorers last well, this season just passed who will be on our books next season. Um, obviously, we could look at getting Pew back in on a permanent deal. Um, we could obviously look to sign a couple of decent strikers. There's a lot of um, options and a lot of ways that we can go about replacing those players. But at the end of the day, if we can sell Bowen for anything around 15 to 20 million, I really think we need to be investing at least two or three million of that in, in, a, in one player. And then, you know, the rest of it, Yes, if it goes to the Alums to pay down the debt, whatever, that's okay. But get some decent free players in with, you know, half-decent wage packets, and, and I think that's the way forward. Um, I think it's very optimistic to look just to the youth team to fill the gaps in the team. I know we've got Keen Lewis Potter, who looks like a great prospect. I don't know if you can throw him straight in, but we said the same about Bowen, and, and that worked out, so you never know. But um, I think... I think our attacking options are where we really need to focus our off-season recruitment. But, you know, defensively, central midfield, I think we're looking pretty decently stocked. And and it, it kind of gives us this core of players that hopefully we can build on for next season and actually get some momentum and some unity and some good squad spirit going. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you pretty much sort of hit the nail on the head that when you look at... Uh, who is t- 
technically still under contract, um, but likely to leave. You know, like Bowen, I, you know, if I had a house, I'd probably put it on Boeing. Bowen leaving before the season starts. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I just can't see no. I I can't see no one coming in for him after the season that he had. Well, yeah, um, I think he's already been linked to a, a handful of Premier League yeah, places as it is. There's, yeah. you know, I've seen I've seen uh, Leicester and Tottenham. Whether that's actually a thing, I mean, but that was been going on for ages. Those some of those links, but yeah, um, there's been a few. Um, Campbell, they reckon this like talking to him, but it's going to be one of those where I guess they're going to walk up and oh, it'll be a, one of the, a token offer of you know if you would like another contract, we'll offer you one at you know ten percent of what your current contract's worth or something because like they they have to cut costs um, yeah. significantly for next season, and I think uh, that'll be probably this why Grisicki will uh, is likely to leave. Um, in uh, in the coming transfer window as well. Uh, Henriksen looks like he's got an offer overseas as well. Yeah, Henriksen. I think they they basically opted um, for to they activated his extension basically on the premise that they know that he's going next year, and I guess they're going to try and you know at least like get you know be like oh we'll we'll take a million you know or, or whatever they're gonna you know take try and get a little bit of a transfer fee um instead of letting him go on a free that's yeah pretty much um that uh i guess who's gone evandro has already officially left uh adam curry left that one surprised uh, me a little bit i thought he would be um another yeah. one of the prospects to come through but um yeah but um i think like overall you're pretty pretty right um that we're going to be looking for mostly attacking players. Um, probably, yeah, I, th- I think, like, you you pretty much sort of got it. Like, you probably, like, another wide defender. I probably, like, if you can find, I probably want another centre mid. I've pretty just been pretty disappointed in um, John Terrell, uh, yeah, or yeah. as a whole. Like, he's had a couple of really nice moments, but... The, he's either been injured or ineffective for the most part of his city career. Um, so someone in there, but like the priority has got to be in the that forward line. So and also the priority needs to be uh, getting Adkins to put his signature on a dotted line. Well, I was going to come to that next. <laughs> is that the most important signature is probably the gaffer, and it sounds as if from all reports, the club has basically said, "Here's the offer. If you want it." You can sign it if you don't. You know, thanks very much for your um, season and a half. And it's it's pretty remarkable that in the 18 months that he's been here, he's turned the public opinion about himself around so sharply. And there's an interesting article in the Hull Daily Mail today about the fact that there's you know a strong reason that he may want to stay because of that um, affinity he has with the fans. That after um, a pretty rough, rocky start with the club. Um, even the early months of this season, um, he's really sort of turned it around and really has a strong connection with the, um, the supporters now. So um, it's it's all sort of on him to uh, to decide whether he wants to stay. Um, obviously, I suspect his wage will have been significantly reduced. I think there's some 
talk that there might not be a contract on offer for his assistant manager, uh, Andy uh, Andy Crosby, I think it is, um, which would obviously be um, something that might cause him to hesitate because I know managers generally rely on or have very strong working relationships with their assistant managers. So telling him that we're going to replace your assistant with somebody that we've picked who might be a lot cheaper um, might not fly for Adkins. Um, so it is a very tough situation. I, I respect, though, that he's also recognised the fact that the club needs to know one way or the other quite soon or quite early in the pre-season so that the club can make decisions on who to appoint, start making transfer policy decisions, all things like that. Um, so I would be hopeful that we'll find out in the next seven days, even, I would I would think. I, I wouldn't think he'd want to leave it too much longer than that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think... Um... The way that and the way that he's, I guess, handled the situation indicates that he's intending on staying as long as you know the contract is appropriate. Um, you know, he's he's never once you know really he's never once really said indicated that he didn't want to stay. He's always said, you know, I'm acting as if I'm going to be here next season. I've got to put you know, I've, I'm identifying players. I'm doing this. I'm you know, I'm talking about long term. So. You can only assume that he wants to stay. It's just, yeah, it becomes a that um, whether or not the Alums are going to do something which they're prone to do, which is sacrifice the long term, um, you know, for the short term, essentially. Because so yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say because I think like. When when you look at, at what he's done in such a short time, if you were able to continue that, like Adkins seems to be able, he seems to have, as you were saying, like he's he's gelled into that into the team, into that community, into that environment really well. And so that's sort of what, if you actually want to um, keep growing, you sort of need that continuity. Um, so I think he seems to be the right guy for the for the job. It just you know, you know what the albums are like. Indeed. Um, so I guess we'll we'll wrap up by sort of um, looking ahead at where we sort of expect the club to finish next season. What sort of ambitions we have for next season ahead of the transfer window, ahead of potential Adkins re-signing, ahead of a potential sale of the club. All of these sorts of um, possibilities are sort of swirling um, in the future. Um, but what what are we what would we sort of be satisfied with next season? Is it as simple as saying if we're a championship club for the following season that that's that's all we can take out of next season? Is it to try and build on this season and, and achieve a, a top half finish to to achieve a playoff spot? Is it to achieve promotion? Um, what, what's your sort of ambition for next season? Um, I think the problem with this question is only that it's it's not really about what my ambition is. It becomes about what the ambition of the club is. And they've already indicated that, you know, they're not looking to basically really to spend, you know, they're not looking to spend money to push for, a, um, for the, you know, push for promotion or push, you know, for a strong, they're looking to, to cut costs and try and be a sustainable championship club, essentially, who, you know, occasionally might have a good season and be able to, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, yo-yo up into the Premier League and then drop down and and sort of. So I think 
like honestly, like when I was, I was looking at this earlier, and I thought like if 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 we achieved a similar position next season as to what we have this season, I would again I'd probably consider that to be a resounding success. I would be disappointed that we hadn't taken advantage of the steps that we have you know this year and continued to try and push forward. But I guess at the same time, I I, I do understand the um, difficulties. And the financial issues that that come into play. So it's a, I don't know, it's a tough one overall. Yeah, I think if we are to lose Bowen, if we're losing Grzycki, if we're losing Campbell, if we're losing all of these attacking players, and we're sort of, you know, looking at our goal scoring options currently at the club and potentially bringing a few in in the window, I think if we were able to achieve a top 12 finish or you know, top 13, which is where we finished this season. I Again, I agree. I think it would be a success. I think the fact that we have to cost cut, and I think this is the first season under the Alums where we won't have any Premier League income, which will be quite interesting because even when they took over the club, I think we were still receiving parachute payments. Um, uh, actually, well, uh, yeah, 09-10 we got relegated. So 10-11, 11-12, 12-13, would have been three seasons with parachute payments. So this is the first time under the Alums that we don't have any, um, which will be quite interesting to see. Um, I think the the cost cutting that's required, it's remarkable. I mean, I saw a tweet about all of the clubs at the moment financially struggling. And you look at your Boltons, you look at, um, you know, Birmingham got deducted points. Um, You look at, you know, clubs in lower leagues like Bury and, and, and Notts County and other clubs like that, that as awful as the Alums are in a lot of ways, um, the biggest criticism, well, I should, sorry, I'll correct that. One of the biggest criticisms leveled against them in terms of on-field is the fact that they're, you know, quote-unquote asset stripping and they're, they're selling off all of our best assets. And whilst that makes us so much less competitive on the field, it's at least leaving us in a position where we're, you know, somewhat sustainable off-field. And you look at a lot of the clubs in the divisions wages to income ratio and I'm getting very technical and, and boring with this but the, the, the fact of it is that we are I think if not the lowest one of the lowest in the division in terms of what we earn versus what we pay the players and the fact that what we te- bring in isn't actually um, sorry what we're, what we're actually spending on players isn't actually more than we bring in. So we're actually at a sustainable level. That's with the last of the parachute payments and next season that will drop, but our spending will drop um, in line with that. And so it's not, this is not me sort of praising them in, in any significant way, but it is to say things could be a whole lot worse if um, if we were mismanaged more than we are, that we could be in a situation like a Bolton, like a Reading, like a whoever, where there are players not getting paid, where there are staff not getting paid. And I think... If we were to finish in a similar position next season on the back of, you know, buying smartly, buying cheaply, putting together piece by piece this squad, which I think Adkins has sort of said, he sort of said, I don't really care to a huge extent what the budget is. I just care that there is a plan and a process to get us back to the Premier League. And if that means, you know, buying bargain basement players, bringing through youth players, putting together a squad, he's okay with that as long as there's that sort of ambition in place and that plan in place and if we can sort of start to see that if we've got this nucleus now of these solid defensive players who I really think can sort of thrive next season it's all about bringing in some young attacking hungry players 
and if we can do that on the cheap, great. And we can start to build a good squad at quite an affordable and sustainable and responsible sort of manner, then that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think overall, like, as you pointed out a couple of times, you're just happy not to be in, you know, a position like Bolton, who's gone into administration, starts next season with uh, at minus 12 points. <laughs> Incredible, yeah. And I, th- and I yeah, have a feeling so. that they're looking at further penalties as well for not playing that game against Brentford, which is remarkable when you look at the context of that, and that's the players making a stand to get, you know, the staff yeah. of the club paid. And the league is viewing that as something that needs to be punished. It's just, um, you know... I could understand as a general principle, a, a club not fulfilling its fixtures needs to get punished, but I think surely context and extenuating circumstances need to get taken yeah. into account. But yeah, so I think, I think I'm very thankful in some, some respects for, for the way that the club is at least managed off, off the field um, in terms of its financial health. Um, remains to be seen what that financial health looks like next season without parachute payments. So I could be, um, taking back those words very quickly if we're suddenly you know having our, our backsides fall out behind us but um for the moment if we can re- if we can repeat this season next season that will be a huge success um and hopefully we can see some some new stars emerge in the club you know we've had a, we've had great season two seasons with bowen and grzycki lighting up the wings you know here's to finding the next bowen you know here's to lewis potter hopefully thriving in any sort of you know role or action that he gets with us next season and some other youth players coming through and and hopefully unearthing a few lower league stars to um to join the first team yeah i I think like we like on top of everything else that we've just spoken about we should be really happy with how our academy's performing in terms of like i guess like in their like in their competition they're maybe not performing that well but basically all of all of the guys that have been selected to step into the first team have, on the whole, performed very well for where they're at in their careers. You know, Dan Batty is one who this year was just, you know, stepped in, stepped up out of nowhere um, and impressed until um, he got a, few, got a few injuries. I think he got a back injury, which kept him out for a little while. You know, and, but this is like continuing on from like it was the, that was Bowen a couple of years ago, you know, sort of yeah. just just on the fringes and then stepped in and, and made an impact. And then, you know, it's just that continuation. We've got Dan Batty ahead. McKenzie came in. Um, there was another defender, young defender, whose name has eluded me. Um, but uh, Fleming, I think, Brandon Fleming, yep. made a couple of appearances. Um, and there was, a couple, I think, you know, and guys, even even if they didn't play, they were, they were still getting onto the, onto the bench for first time. I think Max Sheaf was on there a couple yeah, of times. Sheaf, like, I was going to say, yeah. You know, so, and... And so even, even players not at the club. So, United purchasing Daniel James from Swansea. Um, people might remember that James was on our books as a 16-year-old, and, and I think we lost him to Swansea for very, very little money because of um, rules around different academy statuses. And I think they were category A or category B when we were C or, or what, however it worked. But I think we've got a sell-on clause with him. So the fact he's going to United for, I think, $15 million gives us 750000 which doesn't sound like a huge amount, but, you know, every every pound is, is more than we were um, than we had before he was sold. So, um, you know, players from the academy going to other clubs and, and, and going on to bigger and better things as well. So 
um, yeah, huge props to the way the academies come on in the last four or five years. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing with sell-ons is you think about Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. yeah, I was just, you know, he's the big one that's been linked to some of the um, uh, more cash-rich clubs in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I mean... I, I, I wonder I, if I, we would have one with Robertson, but I don't know if Robertson's particularly I, going anywhere. I, I, would be, I would be very, very surprised if reckon, anyone was that... able to... Um, lure Robertson away yeah. from Liverpool at the stage because it has been. Yeah. I, I know when I think it was when Benteke went to Liverpool or something, or, or when maybe when he went to Palace and Palace wanted a clause put in that um, if they uh, made Europe or something, you know, they had to pay more money or something like that. Um, do you reckon we would have been smart enough to put in a clause that if Liverpool won the Premier League or if Liverpool won the Champions League, we'd get extra money for him within the first couple of years? I mean, you see those clauses sometimes, but. I just, I just don't see us as being, as having thought that through. Yeah, I feel like I think, I guess some of that comes to would come down to the clubs that are involved, and I feel like Hull City would have a we would have a hard time negotiating yeah. that aspect of a clause. Especially with the Liverpool. Yeah, I think Robertson would have just been like, well, yeah, I'm heading to Liverpool, and uh, you guys can try and make the best of that situation. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure like that's he sort of said like. If it had fallen through, it would have been fine. But he pretty much said, like, as soon as he heard Liverpool was involved, he was like, he was, he pretty much packed his bags. He was, yeah. he was, he was, like, you know, it's, and I, like, I don't blame him. An opportunity like that doesn't come around very often. And like, you just look at what he's done there in the two seasons, been like two Champions League final, like this and that and everything in between, like, and you know, he, social media's, you know, putting him down as best left back in the world and and all these sorts of things. And you go, going, man, that's. And he was he was at us, and we bought him for two million or something from. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, thank you for joining me for this one, Dan, and um, thanks for wrapping up what has been an overall positive season, I think, for the club. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, and you know, just keep uh, keep following them. That's the keep following City. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening in after um, another season. Apologies that our uh, episodes have been a little bit more patchy this season than in previous seasons. I think as real life starts to take more and more of a hold on us, um, it gets more difficult to, to schedule in episodes. And um, I do want to give a shout out just before we finish to uh, Amber Nectar wrapping up this year after um, many, many years of providing us with great Hull City content. And in fact, it was their, their podcast that inspired us to start um, Tigers Down Under. So um, do have to give them a massive thank you for that and, and a congratulations on a, on a great, great media career. Um, but after, after all that, well, um, thank you very much for listening in and uh, we'll be back for the start of pre-season. So until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back.